to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very basement, which is full of spiked ceilings coming down slowly, the remains of a cut-up horse, a cape that makes its wearer mean, and Elvis's favorite gun. I'm Mikey McCaller. And I'm Roxy Polk. Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. What went down, Roxy, in your uh-huh. life, outside of the scary basement, of course, that spooked you to your very bones? I'd say the spookiest thing that happened to me this week is I went out of the house and realized how nervous I am around big groups of people now. I think I've got mild agoraphobia a bit. or Agoraphobia? Mm. Agoraphobia, yeah. Agoraphobia from uh, just quarantine. Fear of spiders. Yes, of course. Everybody, I, when I look at them in the crowd, they're a spider. <laughs> just big old what spider. if we all? What if we all went on a year and a half long lockdown to prevent against a flu-like disease and came back and everybody just had normal human bodies but spider heads? And nobody talked about it or mentioned it. Yeah, and you were the crazy one. Because, like, these have always been our heads. Yeah. And then they're just, like, slowly devouring a large fly. (laughs) Also, large flies exist now, and that's that's also terrifying to me now. (laughs) That one they all think is weird. Yeah. (laughs) They're all like, where did all these flies come from? Spider head's normal. (laughs) What about you, Mikey? What has happened to you? Roxy, I have a a real one (laughs) that is actually scary to me. Um... (laughs) <laughs> we're just going to talk about it, all right? We're just going to get it out there. Okay. It's I, medical. You're, you're going to pay me to be your therapist for like an hour, right? For the next hour? It's, it's not. First of all, <laughs> I do have to pay you to be on this podcast anyway. So the therapy <laughs> fees that I would put on top of it, I am happy to pay. You just Roxy, pay me in gummy worms, though. I want real money this time for therapy. Okay, I'll continue to uh, <laughs> ship you one box of gummy worms. It's a lot of gummy worms just to be my friend and be on the podcast. But then also, yeah, okay, $35 in cash for some uh, therapy stuff. Okay. Roxy, I might have an enlarged prostate. <laughs> this is a real thing. Of all um, the things that you, I was <laughs> expecting you to say that you could have said, it was definitely not that. No. Um Mikey, no, are you okay? (laughs) First of all, it's totally a normal thing. When they first told me that that, like, because I go to the bathroom a lot, right? I drink one glass of water. I I mean, you are a human. Everybody does that. So, yes. But I, I, it's kind of excessive for me. Like, if I have one glass of water, I have to go one unit of pee. Like, I I have to go to the bathroom for every glass of water. And when I told my doctor that, I was like, I feel like it might be a lot. He's like, oh, you probably have an enlarged prostate. It's pressing up against your bladder. Oh. My first thought was like, oh, that means prostate cancer. I'm going to die. No, no, no. It's a totally normal thing. It happens to men as they get older. Oh, not necessarily okay. serious. But yeah, I next week we'll have to go in for an ultrasound. <laughs> oh my goodness. They're going to ultrasound me before I go to the bathroom and then ultrasound me after I go to the bathroom and see what my bladder looks like before and after. Do you just have to like sit at the doctor's office for like three hours or something in between that then? No, I just have to go ha- having to pee. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, I just okay, have to yeah, of- that, that makes sense. Just drink a lot of water before you go. Gotcha. Um, it also doesn't help that last week I ran over an old crone with my car. She had a lot of raven skulls braided into her hair. And when I got out of the car to see if she was okay, uh, she rubbed my face and said, enlarged prostate. And then she turned into locusts and flew away. Mikey, you gotta stop. You you keep bringing these curses on yourself, and then you wonder why you have such a bad Mm -hmm. time. (laughs) It's really becoming a problem. Remember two weeks ago when I ran over an old crone with raven skulls braided in her hair and she rubbed my face and said, expensive lasagna. And I went out to eat and I was like, holy God, this lasagna 
it's more expensive than I would have thought. I mean, yeah, I remember you texting me that. So I, I almost thought this was just going to be you telling me the story about the expensive lasagna again. And then now it's, you know, Roxy, what, what if they were twins? Did you did you kill a twin? Oh, that's definitely possible. I had been assuming they were the same. And oh. she just keeps regenerating through locusts. She could be uh, that too, you know, that's a good, that's a good point. Who knows how witches and crones work? I don't. Maybe the someday I'll just, be so lucky to be Just a- witches and crones are the only <laughs> ones who truly comprehend. Yeah. Uh-oh, do you hear that, Roxy? Uh-oh. He's he stomping. Here? Mechanically stomping. It's Demon Bot. He's here to talk to us. Mikey and Roxy, you were tasked with watching the 1994 film New Nightmare, Wes Craven's first take on metatextual horror prior to Scream. Did you watch the film? Yeah, I did watch that movie. Yes. Good, then you may keep your souls. Fort now. Okay, good. All right. Uh, We open with actress Heather Langdenkamp playing Heather Langdenkamp. She's on the set of a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie with her son Dylan and her husband Chase, the film's prop master. And he has built an animatronic Freddy Krueger glove knife hand. But suddenly, something goes wrong. The animatronic comes alive, slashing Chase's finger and killing a number of grips. But then Heather wakes up. It was just a dream. Or was it? Chase has a cut on his exact finger that uh, she saw in the dream. Now, Heather is your everyday actress, trying to make it in TV, but she's only remembered for her role as Nancy in the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So she's getting crank calls from some guy pretending to do the Freddy nursery rhyme. And she gets asked only about Freddy on a daytime talk show appearance. There, actor Robert Englund, as played by actor Robert Englund, appears in full makeup as Freddy Krueger. Heather finds herself deeply unsettled by all the Freddy that's in her life all of a sudden. After the talk show, Nancy goes to a meeting at New Line Cinema with executive Bob Shea, played by executive Bob Shea who pitches her on a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. When Heather shows hesitation, however, Shay reveals that her husband has already begun work on the new animatronic Freddy Hand. He's working on the movie, keeping it from her. Uh, As the first step of producing any major motion picture, as we all know, is prop construction. You know, that's how movies work. When Heather gets home, her creepy-ass son Dylan is watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street on TV, even though the TV is not plugged in. When the kid himself has an episode, Heather calls Chase, asks him to come home, but the guy's hours away in Palm Springs. So of course he's going to get sleepy on that drive. I will say having driven from Palm Springs, it's exactly long enough to fall asleep. Oh no. (laughs) Chase falls asleep and is of course killed by Freddy Krueger, as you are when you fall asleep in these films. But everyone tells Heather it's a car accident. Heather goes to sadly identify the body, and wouldn't you know it, the guy's got four nice, clean Freddy slashes right on his chest. She knows who was here. Later, (laughs) at Chase's funeral, Freddy Krueger grabs Dylan and pulls him into Chase's casket. Heather lunges for her boy, but then wakes up, realizing the Freddy funeral appearance was all a dream. Or was it? Heather then goes to the park with Dylan and her friend, actor John Saxton, as played by actor John Saxton. There, she reveals her family's history of mental illness, while Dylan climbs up to the top of a piece of playground equipment and reaches for the sky. He falls, but Heather's there to catch him. The kid tells her he was trying to, quote, reach for God. Hmm. Heather calls Freddy actor Robert Englund, who is also played by Freddy actor Robert Englund. 
he is asked if weird things are going on for him, too. He says, sure, I get the occasional haunting child phone call, but other than that... Anglin also reveals that he's spoken to Wes Craven himself, who is writing a new Nightmare on Elm Street script. And he has apparently written as far as Dylan trying to reach for God. Wow. After another Freddy dream, Dylan has a seizure and goes to the hospital. There, the doctor suspects Heather of abusing the boy and suggests that he may be suffering from childhood schizophrenia, the worst kind of schizophrenia. Man, Heather is in a tough spot. Freddy to the left of me, nurses to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle of you. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Heather is now desperate to save her son and goes to see director Wes Craven, played by director Wes Craven, who tells her that, yes, he is indeed writing a script. And yes, it is indeed coming to him in his dreams. He suggests to Heather that what's going on here is an ancient demon that can only be held back by stories is on its way to Earth, trying to break into our realm. Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series has held the creature at bay these last 10 years as Freddy. But now that the franchise is dormant and Freddy is dead in the movie industry, uh, the demon is gaining power and it likes taking the form of Freddy. If Heather wants to protect Dylan from the Freddy demon, she's going to have to stop him in real life by playing Nancy once again in real life. And that fucking dialogue is shown on Wes Craven's own computer screen on the script that he's currently writing. And it fades to black as the movie fades to black. It's movie rules. <laughs> Heather heads home and finds Freddy in her closet, which sends her back to the hospital to protect Dylan. There, Dylan's babysitter Julia is trying to see the kid as well. She had a bad dream about the boy. They both get to Dylan, and Heather heads home to get Rex, the stuffed MacGuffin that Dylan believes has been protecting him from Freddy. But as soon as Heather leaves, the nurses sedate Dylan, a move that gets Julia killed by Dream Freddy. You can't send the boy to sleep. He's going to kill all the friends. <laughs> the nurses enter the room to find the poor gal bloody up on the ceiling, getting her guts all over. It's all kinds of disgusting. Dylan is, of course, missing after all of this nonsense, uh, having escaped the hospital somehow with all of these adults, several of which are security guards, who that's their <laughs> whole job, only to be plucked out of the sky by a giant cloud Freddy as he's trying to cross a California freeway in L.A. At first, when I saw this, I thought Freddy was trying to do him a favor by saving him from getting hit by cars, but he's, uh, no, he's just messing with him. When Heather gets home, she finds actor John Saxton, played by actor John Saxton, who was her father in the previous movies, in her house. Except this time, actor John Saxton is not just playing actor John Saxton, but is also Lieutenant Thompson, his character from the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Heather knows it's time to become Nancy, just as Freddy rises up from Dylan's bedsheets. Finally, Heather enters the dream world through the bedsheets, following the trail of breadcrumbs the little boy left for her. She goes into literal hell, where she fights Demon Freddy and teams up with Dylan to throw him in the furnace, Hansel and Gretel style. Mother and son then return to our real world, where there, in the bedsheets, they find a copy of a script. A script for Wes Craven's new nightmare. Then... Heather reads her son the film adaptation of the trauma they'd just gone through, as all mothers must one day do. And that, folks, is Wes Craven's new nightmare. Whew, what a film. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Roxy, did you like this movie or not? Was it too far up its ass, or was it not up its own ass enough? 
parts of it were really fun. Parts of it were kind of boring, especially at the beginning, I think. It's it's a very slow start. I understand why it has to be a slow start, though. But overall, learn the rules of this universe. Yeah, overall, I I enjoyed it. It was certainly our first documentary we've ever done here <laughs> yeah. at the Scary Basement. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know how this movie gets made. I don't know who makes this movie. I don't know who dares to say, like, who goes into New Line and is just like, okay, I want to make this movie. My name is Wes Craven. I want to be in it. And I want to play myself doing what I'm doing. It's like, it is Charlie Kaufman's adaptation for morons. <laughs> it's so, it's dumb but it's so fun and so weird and kind of scary because of that well i think also he was like the franchise had become completely convoluted at this point i'm not a freddy movie historian but as far as i know there have been like many movies before it they all kind of were disjointed didn't make a lot of sense and so this was another way to also reboot the franchise and like Mm -hmm. freddy as a villain and kind of put him out there again so I think there's like that aspect to it. And also, had anybody really done a movie like this before? I don't think so. So it probably, I mean, it is a pretty original take on it, I guess. And apparently in the original version, uh, Wes Craven in <laughs> the script was like crazy traveling around in a van instead of <laughs> in this fancy schmancy house, like with an infinity pool, which is actually not his real house, which I was bummed out to. I kind of oh. wanted it to just be his real house that they filmed in, but it was not. Why wouldn't they just go to his real house? Right? Like you just go 110% in on it already. You're already doing it. <laughs> Stupid. There were moments in researching this film that I was like disappointed, but I don't know what I wanted. Like to find out that the little boy is an actor and not Heather Leggenkamp's oh, real child. And the husband the... is an actor. Yeah. I was like, get their real. I want their non-actors. I want <laughs> these like real people. Like I want an actual prop master to come pretend to be <laughs> Heather Leggenkamp. But it's like, I get it. You can't have non-actors in a major motion picture. But well, also- a kid, definitely not. But the husband apparently just was like, no, nah, I don't want to. Like, oh, okay. Right. He's not an actor. I think she yeah. was actually married to a prop master. At yes, this point. yes, he is. Yeah, he is. So they got yes. that part right at least. It, it, the part, this movie is like 85% playing it straight. And then the points where actors come in are so ridiculous. <laughs> like, it, yeah. is, it, it is kind of an interesting, like, I don't think we've ever seen a movie from the point of view. I, I feel like we see tons of movies about like struggling actors. Mm-hmm. And we see tons of movies about actors at the top of their game. We see an entourage and this is us. And we've also seen uh, at the bottom tier, like party down, but we never see these like mid tier actors who are just like Heather Langenkamp's like kind of recognizable. Like if you've seen this specific Freddy Krueger movie, you'd kind of know who she is, but she's like a TV actor and she's like working. Yeah. Like she has got, a like, really nice house and goes around in a limo at the beginning, but it seems more like, yeah, this is like her job. You know, it's how she goes to work. It her, made it feel more mundane and approachable than a lot of other yeah. portrayals of being an actor would be. Her car in, later in the movie, when she starts driving around trying to like solve the mystery, uh-huh. she has just like this shitty station wagon. Yeah. And it made me like her so much because I was like, oh yeah, this is the kind of station wagon you would have. If you were a mid-tier actor in Los Angeles, I loved it. I thought that was, like, such a cool, interesting little detail that, like, made me like Heather more. So did you know the cool stuff about the earthquake damage from this movie? No. Okay, so an actual real-life earthquake happened in L.A. around this time 
that did the actual structural damage that you see in the exterior shots. And Mm. they literally just guerrilla style went around and filmed the damage from that. So they didn't have to like make up props for that or anything. (laughs) And it could also be integrated in like another more meta way to be like, oh, that earthquake happened because Freddy's coming (laughs) to real life. So it adds another layer to it, which is very neat. How would you feel? I don't know. I always wonder about this. Like, my grandpa was in World War II, right? He never saw combat, I don't believe, but like, he was part of World War II, and then every year a video game comes out called Call of Duty that is about, <laughs> like, playing as my grandpa. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I'm th- like, in thinking about that, like, if there was a massive earthquake in Los Angeles, and like, I don't know if anybody died during it, but it's definitely possible you can be harmed in an earthquake. Like, yeah. if this, like, real tragedy happens to you and your family, and you, like, lost your home, say, and then you go to see the new Freddy Krueger movie, and they're like, yeah, it was because of this burn demon. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you take that? I, I I mean, I'd be upset, I guess, or I'd just be <laughs> like, what, yeah, like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Here's what I love most about this movie. First of all, I will say, I believe, I'm not positive, but I believe this is the first Freddy Krueger movie I ever saw. Oh, is it? Because this movie was on TNT all the time. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) And I would always jump in at like weird times. Like, I feel like I've watched this movie out of order a bunch. Huh. And I didn't know like kind of where it started or ended. I didn't know if I was getting into the beginning or the end. And so I didn't know... It made me, as a young child, like, just entering into horror movies in, like, fourth or fifth grade was the first time I was ever, like, allowed to watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. It kind of got me in terms of, like, wait, is Freddy Krueger real? Well, also, you probably hadn't happens? seen the ones before it. I, I'd actually kind of forgotten that that one actor played her dad until, like, later. Mm-hmm. So I think the first time you see him, he's at the funeral, like, sitting next to her and kind of almost acting in the place of her dad. Like, at that funeral, she doesn't have any other family members there. It's just the some of the cast from previous movies and doing little cameos. <laughs> and then, like, her friend who is the babysitter. And then That's that guy also what who plays made her me, dad. Like, <laughs> really sad about that idea that, like, her only friends are the people from this movie she yeah. made ten years earlier. <laughs> yeah. I think about, like, the people I've met, like, on projects, like, on film sets. And uh-huh. you don't form lasting relationships with you maybe form a lasting relationship with one of them, but not, like, multiple, and you don't, like, get lunch and hang out with... Like, she shouldn't have Robert Englund's phone number. <laughs> she shouldn't be I close mean, enough to that man. I get, like, yeah, see, that's the question that I kind of wish was... I You had the, a way of figuring that out, because I'd like to believe they were actually, like, friends in real life and would call each other and, like, hang out or get coffee or something. I, <laughs> but, um, who knows? I mean, you you can make lasting friendships work friendships um not in that, hollywood baby i mean hollywood, Mikey, you were in cutthroat <laughs> you People were are Curtis- stepping over you to get their careers off the ground no <laughs> i mean you were the one that who's currently living in la so you you know more than i do i only lived yeah, there for I like a year and a often, half <laughs> i do often go to the you- park with axter john saxton and then you step on the necks of your enemies to just get, to, just uh, to catch up Apart before them, <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I uh, I cut the legs out from under every Your every rivals. writer I come across. Yeah, whenever I have a meeting at Netflix, I'm just like, you know, these uh, other writers that you got coming in here, pretty bad at writing, and they're like, oh, really? 
Hmm, okay. And then they take they write something down. I don't know what they're writing down. <laughs> I mean, only they know, right? I mean. <laughs> Where do we think this falls in terms of like Freddy's scariness? Do you think Freddy is scarier as like a supposed child predator who is getting revenge? Or do you think Freddy is scarier as an all-time hell demon who uh is only trapped by storytellers? <laughs> um I mean, hmm. <laughs> it almost speaks to me of the the line between like, like the the scream style like human killers and the why can't I think of his name H P Lovecraft style monsters that are so big we can't comprehend them and simply yeah. looking at them drive us insane. So I think there's no way you could, for for instance, like yes, big Cthulhu type creatures, things that you shouldn't be able to describe. Seeing it portrayed is always going to be a letdown. It's always going to feel mm-hmm. less impactful because you're trying to actually like communicate, you know, a form to it at that point. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'd say that's less effective than like specifically. Here's a horrible human man who shouldn't be able to persist through death, but does. And oh yeah, he was a child predator also, so extra awful. I think I tend to agree. It feels scarier to me if he's like a person who has an agenda. Yeah. As opposed to a nameless ancient evil. Like that kind of doesn't track to me. Yeah. And I feel that's that might be why, having seen this movie first, and maybe we do a quick power rankings. Power rankings? Freddy has always fallen fallen very low on my list of, like, iconic 80s serial killer monsters. And maybe I can go first. I'm just throwing this out at you. I don't know if you have any ranking in your head. I would say my ranking goes number one, Chucky, number two, Jason, number three, Michael Myers, number four, Freddy, number five, Leatherface. I don't know he if he really counts. Hmm. Um. I'd say, like, Jason and Michael Myers are probably up there for me as, like, number one. 1A, one 1B. One yeah, I haven't really, like, thought of doing a ranking list. You know, people do these, Mikey. We could record, like, a video or something where we do a horror uh, monster ranking. That is a great idea. <laughs> oh, we should we do, do that. that. Yes. And, uh, great. We <laughs> spoiled it here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of ones we didn't even talk about, so, you nope, know. just those five. J- just those I, five? I almost put Maniac Cop at five because I couldn't think of another one. But I was like, ah, Leatherface, he's in a bunch of movies. <laughs> I mean, I have... I have never seen Maniac Cop, but when I was first learning to love horror movies, I would Uh get my TV guide and look in the back. And, like, first you go to C. It, like, lists all the movies in alphabetical order that are going to be on that week. Okay. So first you go to C, and you see if there are any child's plays. And if there are, great. And then you go to F for Friday the 13th. And then you go to H for Halloween. And then you go to N for Nightmare on Elm Street. And finally, if nothing else, you go to M for Maniac Cop. I don't know if it's scary or not. We should probably watch it. We should. I actually, that's one of the few horror movies I have not seen and don't even really have any sort of like perception of what it is. You know, I want to say it's Sam Raimi. Is it? Okay. Well, I'm not sure. I couldn't be making that up, but I feel like it might be. Well, that'll be fun then. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll watch it someday. Roxy, what would you say is the big idea of this movie? And I can definitely start because I think there's two. So I'll say one. Okay. I'll say two. Um, Go for it. This movie, the one that I'm a little less interested in, but I think is very clearly going on is this fear of mental illness. This worry Mm. that, this worry that you have disease kind of just inherent in you. And then I think the worst part of that is the idea of passing it on to your child. Yes. 
these genetic diseases are terrifying. And, you know, as somebody who has a, a genetic disease in his family, like both my grandparents died of Alzheimer's, like that's looming in my genetics. That is a Mikey. ticking time bomb that is going to go off at some point. I was not point. aware of this. Oh, really? I did not know this, Mikey. Yeah, this is like my defining tragedy of my life. No. <laughs> this is a very personal episode for me. We're talking yeah, about my prostate. Apparently. We're talking about my grandparents. Yeah, Mikey, I'm sorry to hear that. I had no idea. No, it's very sad. <laughs> but um, th- this idea that like, I am going to probably have that and probably pass that on is like really upsetting. And it's the mm. kind of, that to me is like a human version of the HP Lovecraft horror. That's like yeah. something so giant and catastrophic and upsetting that I kind of can't look at it. Like I can't really focus on that without losing uh, my cool. <laughs> I feel like yeah. to sit and revel in that is truly disconcerting for me. Yeah. And I think also genetically, but also behaviorally, because, like, the kid is watching her movie, even though she doesn't want him to and never enforce it. And that's one of the things that the nurse brings up and is so mad at her about. It's like, you showed your little tiny child your horror mm-hmm. movies, your other work. And she's like, no, I didn't. Like, people just know who Freddy is, just like they know who King Kong is, you know? Mm-hmm. It, he's kind of a cultural thing that even if you're not trying to look for it, or, like, consume it, you would know what it is, vaguely. That is very much what I thought was the other big thing. Is this idea of, like, what horror movies do to us, and what the quote-unquote hero of the movie, Wes Craven, (laughs) argues that horror movies do to help us. Like, there's so much this, like, really upsetting nurse. There's something just really upsetting about, like... Oh my god, yes. The the entire hospital scene, man, I was just so annoyed for the characters. I was like, Mm -hmm. these people are awful. Stop it. Stop it. Why are you so smug and awful, also? (laughs) It's the same thing we were talking about with, like, child's play. It's like, if your child is going crazy, they're gonna take your child from you. (laughs) Yeah. that is terrifying. And they went to it so quickly, too. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, this kid's definitely having uh, psychosis. And the idea that, like, the big twist of this movie that I guess is pretty clever, but it's very funny that doctors didn't think of it. The symptoms of childhood schizophrenia mirror sleep deprivation. <laughs> yeah, Which, <laughs> which is, is just... the number one most likely to be afflicted with disease in the Freddy Krueger saga. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I... I, I don't love know if this. that's real also. I, I don't know if that's real or just something that the uh, you know movie what? said. Like everything else in this movie, it told me it was real and I assumed it was. Yeah. I, to, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, I don't know if I can it trust what like a, a movie told me. Yeah. So somebody so, out there can maybe tell us or we could do five minutes of research. Uh, I don't think either <laughs> of those are going to happen. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it definitely feels like the hospital scene is crafted to be the stand-in for people who think horror movies are doing irreparable harm to children. Mm, okay. There's this really upsetting nurse who is is played, like, with this really respectable villainy. Like, that she's just like, Oh, wait, no, the doctor. The, child. the doctor. Or the doctor, yes. Yeah. But the nurses um, are it, also, like, abominable. <laughs> right. They're, they're just following orders. They're henchmen. Yeah. They're this the ones doctor, who are smug about it. The doctor is not smug about it, but she is, like... I mean, the actress does a very good job at portraying that kind of character that just, like, sets you off. Yeah, she's judgmental. (laughs) She's, like, really judgmental. Judgmental as hell. For something that clearly, like, you're not watching this movie if you're not in some way a horror fan. Yeah, for real. (laughs) I I don't know if, like, Roger Ebert was watching this movie and was like, yes, finally a reasonable character in these (laughs) films. (laughs) But then we have Wes Craven, 
who is just like, the value of horror is that it keeps our demons at bay. Like he's saying that literally in the movie, which is why I think this movie is such a a Wright Brothers plane to Screams 747. Like you oh, can yeah. see the beginnings of him yep. experimenting with meta commentary within a movie, but mm-hmm. he just makes the- And also Hollywood in general. Movie. It very much has to do with like, Movie, the movie industry, specifically horror movies, and then like meta commentary about genre horror movie stuff yeah. too. So it's it, all it's about like much... every facet of a horror movie <laughs> in a way. Yeah, it's definitely Wes Craven saying like, here's the value of horror movies. They help us deal with our trauma and deal with our fears in a reasonable and healthy way. Yeah, um, safe I can't way. remember if this is a, a Wes Craven quote or just a quote I saw in all of the articles I read about this movie. Because first of all, <laughs> I've been obsessed with this movie since I saw it. Yeah. Again. It's so weird to me. I, I can't believe somebody made this movie. It's just like such a balls to the wall wild idea. Like it's it's one thing to say like what if the actress, what if an actress is in a Freddy Krueger movie and Freddy Krueger becomes real? That's fine. To have it actually be Heather Langenkamp and actually have Wes Craven in it is so bonkers to me. I love well, it. Well, they they no. incorporated so many things from real life too. Like like we said the she married a prop yeah. guy and there's an actor <laughs> playing a prop guy. She actually had a real life stalker and so they wanted to oh, integrate yeah? that into the movie. Yeah, but it wasn't because she had played Heather. It was because of like some sitcom she was in or something. Oh, sure, yeah. But so like and then like stuff with the earthquake, you know, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same thing I love about pro wrestling. It's like <laughs> the the joy is finding out what's real and what's fake. Like I remember as a kid thinking it was her real husband okay. when I watched the movie yeah. and like why wouldn't I think that? And it wasn't. And so I was just like, "Oh, interesting." Like I kind of want to dig more into it. Like even like I didn't know about the stalker. That's so weird and fascinating. Yeah, but- right? <laughs> I don't know. And, and they so- asked her like beforehand, like, are you okay with doing this? And she was like, yeah, I'm fine with incorporating that. And I mean, right. I, I, I assume she was also like lots of times if you were in a job or something and somebody asks if you want to do something, you just have to say yes, even if you don't want to. Yeah. But I, as far as I could tell anyway, there was no indication that that was the, the case here. Uh, she was cool with it. Yeah. So I, I, I was very enamored with this idea that Wes Craven is saying that horror movies are good for us, that they are doing something Mm. to alleviate our real world fears. And I do tend to believe that. I think that's the joy of horror movies, that we can go and be afraid in like a safe space. We can go and get that fear out of us and know that we can walk out, like feel better leaving because we got through it. Uh, even if the movie ends in a bleak way, it's still like a way to uh, like when you go to a therapist and they have you practice confronting your boss. It's like you get to practice confronting the horror of <laughs> giving your child a mental illness. Uh, and I think that's very valuable. And Wes Craven clearly thinks that's very valuable. Uh, and to make himself the like the goddess of this movie. <laughs> what if she comes to the wisest person of all? me and i am writing the script it's just like there's no explanation for it it's just silly screen does such a great job of saying like this kid's watched a lot of movies so he's saying like this is like a movie in a way that's grounded and real Wes Craven's new nightmare is just like there's a demon and he's ben freddy krueger and we just (laughs) are okay with that i guess we are i don't know i heard it in a dream one time so it must be real there we go just having dreams it's so crazy (laughs) Roxy, do you have a big question for me? 
Yes, I do, actually. So, Mikey, my question to you is, if you had to deal with any fictional horror movie villain in the real world, which one would you choose? And this how would you deal question. with them? <laughs> this is such a great question. Because he was so in my head as a kid, I think Chucky... Mm. I had a feeling you would pick Chucky. I had so many game plans. Uh-huh. I had so many, like, strategies to get away from Chucky. Uh-huh. I always thought, like, the big boot. Just boot him away. <laughs> See him yeah. sail past the tree Just line. wear some steel-toed boots everywhere you go. <laughs> but I also thought a lot about, like, garbage disposals and uh, mm. trash compactors to put him in. Like, because mm. the thing about Chucky was you kept slicing him up and he would come back. Jason... And Michael Myers and the Leatherfaces of the world. I'm like, I hope I can run away, but probably not. So I might just give up. Yeah. And if you kill them, they they kind of tend to just come back pretty right. often. At least with Chucky, you could like stake him to the ground and burn him to ash. And then that's it. Yeah. There's, you I, can I, see I feel that. like <laughs> Chucky is somebody who I could wrap my head around defeating. Uh-huh. Jason, I'm just like, you're going to just chop me. I'm just going to get chopped and that's it. And I, it's like, it's like, it's like if, if, as though you asked, like, how would you lift a car? I would be like, I don't know. I just wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible for me. Sorry. I can't use my imagination. Just, I will the just only way it. I would <laughs> li- lift a car and defeat Jason is if my child was in danger. There you go. Yeah. You get that uh, adrenaline super strength. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you deal with? Um, I mostly just thought of, hey, what would be the easiest one? What would be? <laughs> <laughs> No fun strategy. Uh, so you've seen the movie Poltergeist, right, Mikey? I have not. Okay. Well, basically, it's a haunted house with a dimension to the spirit world. Just move your house. Just don't live there anymore. <laughs> I said it would be impossible to move a car. And you're like, well, just move a house. You don't move Mikey, a house. It's very itself. heavy. The house is cursed. You don't have that house anymore. You just. Oh, uh, you're, say- you're saying. <laughs> You you get out of there and you move to a different Hire location. Hire a U-Haul truck and take yeah. your stuff elsewhere. Okay. P- pick up your stuff that didn't get drawn into the dimensional vortex, whatever you got left, and put it on a moving truck and just get out of there. And Why let, did my let brain say- have it. My brain was like, oh yeah, Roxy is saying lift up your house and put it on a plot of land. <laughs> you were talking about moving a car, which I think is why. So your brain space was yeah, already yeah, there. Why, why? I mean, I could okay. try and move the house. It might, it might still be suspended. The dimensional portal might be suspended in space. If you move the house. That's the important question you've got to ask is, is the dimensional portal tied to the house or is it tied to the plot of land? And that's why you always get a home inspector to come check out your house before you move it. Yeah, these people not checking for dimensional portals to the spirit world. I don't understand what they're doing with their investments. <laughs> that, the big idea of poltergeist sounds like is buying a house with termites. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that, that will uh, steal your child. Roxy, on a scale of one to nine, one being the least likely, nine being the most likely, uh, there is no 10 on this scale because 10 does not exist in the scary basement. It does not exist. How likely do you think Wes Craven's new nightmare is to happen in our real world? <laughs> I say a one. I don't think Dream Freddy is real or that, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, there being an interdimensional entity out there that can only be trapped by stories that somebody makes, Wes Craven makes here. Uh, does it, does it, do the movies have to be popular or like well-read like what if somebody in their basement is just like (laughs) writing a story on their own about some creature being trapped 
and we just don't know about it. And it's it's been real this whole time, and we just don't know. That's I don't that's think the rules all- for interdimensional Freddy make enough sense to me. So I say one. <laughs> I am going to say four. A four, okay. Halfway, but leaning away. Just because if there is a crazy nightmare entity like this, mm-hmm. who knows what rules it follows? It could be anything. That's it could true. be like the rules are very ill-defined here. He was also like, just killed by fire at the end. So yeah. for a creature that powerful, also fire in his own realm, which I assume he could control. Right. No, there's a lot in this that like I think probably just by showing up nancy beat him i guess so okay it's one of those it it, he doesn't have like a heart that you have to shoot like to to actually stop the blood supply to his brain it's like you have to metaphorically face your fears like this is a metaphor demon oh yeah yeah we look at it more like that way yes and so this is something i always wondered about with (laughs) i always wondered about with metaphor demons (laughs) all those metaphor how do i know that just the fact that i am not living in seattle is what's keeping a demon at bay, right? What if I just so happen to be the key living in Los Angeles that is keeping the demon at bay? I don't know. I don't know what the rules of demons are. They're metaphysical. It could be anything. <laughs> like you've been the demon linchpin this whole time. It's as likely as it is not. <laughs> like it's, it's Schrodinger's demon linchpin. It's all, <laughs> until it's defined what the stupid rules are, all rules are true. I mean, we could all be in a simulation, Mikey, so you can change that line of programming in the code or whatever and sure dream demons can be real now that Who knows? totally scares me <laughs> not just the idea that we're in a simulation but that somebody could hack it yeah just oh now zombies are real to have fun with that <laughs> i mean if that's not what happened in the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 i don't know what it is i saw so many jokes about that during the time especially when things just kept dominoing and escalating it's like wow mm. somebody's really uh they turned on the cheat codes for yeah, horrible it's things on hard happening. Now. Yeah. <laughs> now, Roxy, last week we made a bet. Oh boy, did we. We made ourselves a bet as to how many times somebody would gasp and wake up in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Because it's a Freddy Krueger movie. A lot of uh, gasping and waking up in this movie. You said there would be six. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I said there would be six gasping out of dream moments. Yes. You said, said there would be five. You prices righted me. <laughs> Roxy, you were correct. There were Wait, five. What? There what? were five. <laughs> oh. I didn't write them down. <laughs> I did go through like my list uh-huh. of things that happened in the movie and counted. And, I totally uh, thought you were going to beat me this week. I thought I was going to too, because I thought it would be a lot more. I, yeah, I don't me think too. There were any I was like, those... I'm undercutting it. Obviously, it's going to be like 10. <laughs> I don't think there were any of those like double moments. Where... Yeah, that was surprising, actually. I don't think there was a single one, was there? Yeah, where you wake up from one dream and then you look to your left and it's Freddy is there in your bed with you. And then oh, he wait. raises his glove and you wake up again. Was there? No. Okay. I thought the one where the kid puts the knives on his fingers. I was like, wait, was that one? <laughs> or not yeah you know we no, haven't real. talked really much about this kid actor holy shit and like this kid character maybe it's too late to start talking about that child right now but no, uh no, he's a fun weird kid uh <laughs> he didn't do a lot for me i, I was did- never scared i was never intimidated by him i like i saw him less as a character and more as like 
the prize. If Heather can conquer Freddy Krueger, then her son, her kid gets to be healthy again. But he wasn't like somebody who was like along for the journey. Yeah, he was, he's so annoying. His performance was so annoying. I did not like this kid. I did not care about what happened to this kid. And he, yeah. he previously, I had seen him uh, in Pet Cemetery, the original Pet oh. Cemetery movie. He was Gage. So he was even younger. And he was a fucking weird murder kid in that movie, too. He's he just got bad, va- bad he, vibes. He's got such a weird performance. And like, no kid actor is going to be good. I feel bad, like, ragging on him. But when I think about, the kid in child's play when i compare those two kids kid in child's play feels like a real kid even when he does like things that might have been annoying i didn't feel annoyed by him but this kid for some reason was very annoying to me yeah no i, I think completely maybe agree one of his first the is it the the first scene no it's like afterwards i think when he's watching that freddy movie the first time and he just mm-hmm. like opens his mouth and yells and it's not like oh, damn, this kid is, like, possessed or having an episode. It just felt like an annoying child screaming as loud <laughs> as they could to annoy you. It was like a baby was in yes. the room. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, oh, my God. And it's mostly just because of Heather's performance of wanting to protect the kid that I can give a shit about him, um, uh-huh. despite the the child's acting, I guess. Um, Roxy, did you know that that actor, uh-huh. as an adult... Uh-huh. Came back for a Freddy Krueger fan film called Dylan's New Nightmare. What? <laughs> really? Yeah. I was not aware of that at all. I That's just found uh... out about this today. I watched the trailer and it's very much a fan film, but it's like him sleeping and like the dinosaur is like pressed up against the window and somebody in Freddy Krueger goes like slashes the dinosaur <gasps> and the dinosaur bleeds. Can we talk about the dinosaur? Yes, Rex. Rex is great. <laughs> Let's talk about Rex. There's this moment. Throughout the movie where Dylan, the little kid, keeps putting Rex at the foot of his bed because it's fighting off Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, obviously find it with four slashes through it, through the stuffed dinosaur. I thought for sure we were going to get at the end a dinosaur versus Freddy Krueger. Oh my god, That what wasted potential. Mikey, go back in time and tell Wes Craven to do that. I, I want to see that. It, to the point where, like, I told you I've watched a bunch of this movie out of yeah, order. Yeah, uh-huh. I thought that scene happened. Oh, really? Oh, like, man, I, you was just so disappointed then to see it as an adult be like, wait, no, where is Even it? as a child, it was so obvious that they needed to pay that off by having a dinosaur fight. Like, that was the perfect deus ex machina moment when they're, like, in hell with him. Yeah. If, if like, he's about to get them yeah. both, and then the fucking dinosaur comes, and then the dinosaur fights Freddy for a while. Freddy, of course, kills the dinosaur. Great. And then we Hansel and Gretel him and get out. We needed a dinosaur fight. Freddy needs to fight a dinosaur. He does. What waste of potential. Also, that that inclusion, we didn't talk about that either necessarily. But that's such a little kid thing to do and is so perfect. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. would do things like that. Like, oh, if I put my stuffed animal here or something, it means this. Or it'll right. do this. Or like that's the linchpin that keeps the demon from coming into our I, realm. I remember at one point as a kid, I was like, all my, my stuffed animals will be sad if they don't get to hang out and like sleep in my bed with me. They'll mm-hmm. be so I got to put them all in here. <laughs> I'm happy to know that you had that weird, like, broken level of empathy. Because yeah. <laughs> I did that oh, exact no, same thing, too. It, I still do, yeah. I love do my... You still ha- <laughs> so do you ever have that with uh, clothes? I have that with, like, oh, I haven't worn this t-shirt in a while, and I'll bet this t-shirt's sad that I haven't put it on in a minute. Not so much t-shirt, but, like, when I had to... When I had that debacle happen with my computer and had to, like, leave my old computer with the parts people, because that was what they 
stipulated to me in order to give me my new one, I felt really mm-hmm. sad because my computer's like my my buddy that helps me do all my work. <laughs> it hangs out with me all day. And I it felt that. real sad to like leave it there. I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh, that's that is very sad. I have new friend now, new computer now, but uh old computer I wonder what happened to it. Which is probably oh, not thinking about it. Yeah, it's probably not something that uh, like well adjusted people would do. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> hey. hey Roxy, <gasps> is there someone at the door? What? Oh, okay. Let's go check it out. I think it's coming from upstairs. Hey, uh you uh order a plumber? Oh, no, we didn't. I'm so sorry. Oh. Okay. Well, someone called a plumber and I drove all the way out here, so you need any plumbing done? Uh, nope. Everything's working a-okay, I think. So, bye! Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff a plumber could do for you. Tighten up a leak, look at your water heater. Look, I, I'm just trying to be polite. This isn't even our place. Uh... Each week we get pulled inexplicably and supernaturally into the scary basement. Oh, jeez. I uh, didn't want to bring this up, but there's this entity. Very old. It, uh... Takes different forms, uh, and its only goal is uh, the murder of innocents. Well, there must be some way to stop it. It can be captured sometimes, but by plumbers of all things. But, uh, you know, I'm afraid if I can't invoice someone for the plumbing work today, it's uh, going to cross over into our world. Oh, well, come right on in. I'm sure we can find a clogged toilet or something for you to do. No, Mikey, don't take him at his word. I think he's just trying to drum up extra business for his plumbing company door-to-door. Yeah, you're wrong, lady. I'm, I'm trying to keep an ancient evil at bay. Every so often, a plumber gets a snake so far down into a toilet, it captures the entity's essence. And for a while, it's held prisoner in that toilet. Like a genie in a bottle. Uh, yeah, I don't know, sure. Uh, can I come take a look at your pipes now? I'm not buying it. We don't need any plumbing, so later, bye. No, wait, wait. This is just what the entity wants. It breaks free if we plumbers don't get paid 45 an hour to come do plumbing stuff. Roxy, we can't let the entity break free. Now go get your wallet. Why is it my wallet? Look, we are not hiring this guy to do plumbing. We don't even live here. You can always have your landlord reimburse you for the work later. I don't even know where landlord would even be in this situation. Like, demon bot? No. I am only renting the scary basement. Have you seen real estate prices for haunted basements recently? And they call me evil. Listen, right now, the entity is trapped because I ungunked the garbage disposal for some old lady a week or two ago. But the problem comes when the plumbing business dies. And... That can happen in a lot of ways. Maybe folks watch a YouTube video on how to fix a leaky sink. Maybe, maybe then they buy a snake of their own from a nodge. Maybe they take a dump so huge they don't want to unclog the toilet because they're so proud of it. (laughs) That did happen to me once. Uh, The uh, point is, if I don't keep working, the entity will break free. But can't anyone stop it? There is nothing to stop. The only one that can stop the entity is a sort of customer. Someone who can pay today by cash or check, since I lost that little square reader thing. Uh, a customer to hire for at least three hours of work. A uh, 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 plumbing work. Crap. If only to uh, cover the gas it took to get all the way out here. And, and that customer is you, Roxy. No, it isn't. 
you're a bad salesman and plumbers shouldn't have to push their services on people anyway. Goodbye. Oh, you're making a big mistake. It's going to break free. You know, Roxy, I bet that any second now, a demon is going to burst up out of the ground and eat that guy. And you're going to feel all kinds of ridiculous. Yeah, uh-huh. I doubt it. Don't come on. Hire me. Any second now. I'm really good at plumbing. Nope, it sounds like he's leaving. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, he was a he was a shyster. Hmm. Oh, hey, there's Demon Bot. He's clomping on over. Congratulations, you have successfully reviewed New Nightmare. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must review the 2016 film Train to Pusan, directed by Sang Ho Yoon and starring Gong Yu, Yumi Yung, and Ma Dong Sok. If you do not, your souls will be forfeit and I shall claim your bodies as my own. Will they get these motherfucking zombies off this motherfucking train? Okay, so for next week, Roxy, we will watch... Train to Busan! Train to Busan. Yeah, yeah. This movie is great, and it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm really looking forward to rewatching it. How did you say that again? You said it like a chant. Train to Busan! <laughs> Train to Busan! <laughs> we will only refer to it in that way. <laughs> The exact cadence. Roxy, let's make a bet for next week, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What do you got for Train to Busan, Mikey? So I assume, I have not seen this movie. I assume there are people on a titular Train to Busan. (laughs) There might be. What number of people? What is the number? How many people will survive the Train to Busan? Um, So I've seen this before. It's been so long. Uh, Luckily, I can't cheat with this. Uh... I'm going to guess two. Two. Okay. What about you? I am going to, once again, prices right you. I do think it's going to be a small <laughs> number, but I'm going to say three. Okay. Cool. All right. The pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. The one who is closest to the number of survivors wins. The loser will have their name attached and take all the blame online as the one who greenlights the inevitable substandard Hollywood remake of the film. All right, Roxy, before we make a valiant attempt to escape the scary basement... Let's figure out what's making us happy. What's making you happy this week? What's making me happy this week? I have a new favorite manga I've been going through. You love manga. I do. This might be one that you could actually read, Mikey. I doubt it. (laughs) Probably. But it's called Delicious in Dungeon, which Mm -hmm. is basically about these adventurers who lose a member of their party. It's very like D&D kind of inspired sort of rules and stuff. So like video game type things like dying and being resurrected exist in this. Mm. But so they lose one of their party members and they're teleported up to the top of the dungeon. They're broke. They don't have any of their equipment. So in order to go back and save their missing party member, they have to eat monsters that live in the dungeon. So it's uh-huh. like a cooking manga about like cooking and surviving in this like fictional ecosystem. That is very funny. It's like a comedy, but there are like serious parts at times. So you got your main crew and they meet like this dwarf who's been living this way for like 10 years. So he's like a really good cook. Uh, So it's all about them like fighting monsters and then finding different ways to cook them and stuff. Uh, It's, it's very good. It's extremely charming. It's very well drawn. It sounds great. What's it called again? Uh, Delicious in Dungeon. Delicious in Dungeon. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Mikey doesn't really read manga or watch anime, but I feel like this is something that would be accessible to people who don't even necessarily like that stuff normally. People who are not me would (laughs) like it. Uh, I'll tell you what's making me happy. 
Roxy, there is, I think I've maybe talked about yoga with Adrian on my What's Making Us Happy before. Yes, you have. Yoga with Adrian, great YouTube channel. She has a specific video that I have watched over and over. It is called 10 Minute Self Care. Okay. And Roxy, it's not yoga. It's not exercise. It is just her instructing you on how to give yourself a neck and foot massage. Okay. And it feels so good. It feels as good as a full-on massage. So, since I found this video and have been doing it, like, every day, I am now saving between $40 and $60 a week on my massages. I didn't even realize you- I don't have to go get a massage anymore. You got weekly massages? Oh, sometimes twice weekly. What? Oh, okay. Well, so hey, yeah, I- now I've got an extra forty to sixty dollars in my pocket every week, and I've been spending that money on dolls that were found at murder scenes. Okay. Well, I mean, that that could be good material for the podcast. <laughs> or no, wait, Mikey, we talked about this. Why do you keep getting yourself cursed all the time? You you wonder why, and this is why you do these things. You run yeah, over so- witches with bird skulls, and you buy haunted dolls. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, I'm the problem. <laughs> Uh, at some point you have to when you keep touching the stove and burning your hand at some point you have to stop blaming the stove and start blaming the hand Uh, and I think I'm there I think I'm ready okay well Mikey I think we need to have a garage sale for you so you can get rid of your haunted (laughs) items Uh, don't don't tell anybody otherwise they might not buy them okay let's talk about this later that's a great idea (laughs) Roxy each week Demon Bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door to keep us from escaping but each week we still escape how do you think we're going to get past the guardsmen of the basement this week? I don't know why I asked you that. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends on what the monster is. You can see him better than I can over there. You got a good angle. <laughs> I was like, Roxy, what do you think? And you're like, I don't know, uh, whatever you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is, I have here a bag of flour. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw it in the air. And while it's in the middle of the air, I'm going to shoot it with my gun and it's going to explode and send flour everywhere, which will give us a fine cover, and we can use it to sneak past. Wait, Mikey, where did you find this gun? Did you find it in the basement? Is it a curse gun? Did you do the thing I just told you not to do? Oh, no, it's just a regular gun that I bought with money. Oh, okay. I guess From we do live in show. America, don't we? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you got a permit. So, here's the thing, Roxy. We're okay. going to be A-OK as long as the guard of the door isn't a predator from the movie Predator. Because they have infrared vision. And they could see through the flower. Mm-hmm. But then we so, could see the predator, though, if it's covered in the flower. Listen, <laughs> high risk, high reward. <laughs> go, go ahead. Say what you're going to so say. As long, as long as it's not a predator, we're going to be okay. As long as it's not a predator, we're going to be okay. You ready? Y- yeah, I'm scared. We go. We're throwing up the door. Okay. <gasps> it's just a big beetle. We're fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy, let's go get ice cream. Yay! Wait, what if the beetle isn't really harming us, though? What, should we get some for the beetle? Maybe on the way back. Okay, never mind. The bad idea. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go.